I want to talk about the sin of worry today. I was praying over the week, specifically Friday, and the Lord uh, dropped in my spirit. He said, I want you to talk about the sin, that's how he phrased it, the sin of worry. And I don't know, I, I do kind of mention this in passing quite frequently because we have to talk about casting your cares and, and all that stuff because it's a regular thing that we all go through. But he specifically said to me, this Sunday, I want you to talk about the sin of worry. And so I want you to call it just what it is. It's not just worry, it is the sin of worry. And there is a big difference between just doing something that's maybe not too good, but it's not really a sin. You know, Hebrews says, cast, casting off the weights that so easily entangle us, uh, you know, and, and putting aside the sins. So there is sins and there are weights and they are different. You can have things that are not sinful, but they hinder your walk with God. But they're not necessarily sinful. They're just going to hinder you. Then you can have things that are actually are sin. They're worse than weights because oh, yeah. they don't just hinder you. They stop you. Yeah. They will, they will shortchange you. They will short-circuit your walk with God. And so this, the worry is not a weight. It's not the weight of worry. No. Worry is a sin. Now, people say, I have the weight of the world on me. So there's a, there's, a, there's, a psycho, there's a subconscious connection that worry is just, oh, I feel so like a weight on me. And then they think, well, you know, it's not a big deal. You know, it's, it's life. Everybody has this. You know, I'm just one of a billion people or six billion people, seven billion people that worry because everybody does this. But even though you feel a weight, it's not a weight like you see in Hebrews. It is a sin. It is not something that you should live with and it's just not too good. It might hinder you a little bit. It is forbidden by God to worry. And when you do something that he forbids, you are sinning. Worry is a sin. And the faster you call worry a sin and recognize it as a sin and confess it as a sin to God and repent of it, which means 180 degrees turn in your heart and then turn in your actions. The faster you call it what it is, the faster you'll be free from it. The faster you explain it away and justify it and that's life and everybody I know is worries. Like Dad Hagen said, his mother and grandmother were world champion warriors, not just state champion warriors, world champion warriors. And so he had to make a decision. If I'm going to get any Anywhere in this life with God, I've got to deal with worry. And it got to the point where he got so skillful in it. And this is when his children were, were still being carried around as toddlers. So you can imagine back, that was back in the, in the 40s or early 50s. I mean, it's, it's a while back. Uh, he was a young man in his late 20s or 30s at this time. And he had got so skillful in his late 20s and 30s that, that, that they were walking in. And as they were going in the house, Miss Aretha looked at him and said, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but something, the gist of it was, you know, it would seem to me that even if me and the two kids dropped dead right here, right now, that you wouldn't worry. Almost like she was frustrated that nothing bothered him, that nothing worried him. And he answered probably the spiritual answer, but maybe not the wisest answer because you're going to get a box in your ears from your wife if you answer this way. But it was still a correct answer. And he said to her, well, if you drop all three, if you drop dead, what would be the point in worrying then? You're dead anyway. I can't do nothing about it. And that didn't make Miss Aretha very happy, praise God. But the point is he had got so skillful in the area of worry that he really just was so used to casting the care that nothing really bothered him. That doesn't mean he didn't have tests and trials and temptations to worry, yeah. 
but he never yielded to that worry. You can have the bird fly over, but you don't have to let it nest in your hair. You can feel the temptation to worry, but choose not to worry. In fact, let me give you a quote by Dad Hagen later in his life. So just to bring a balance to this. He said, and I quote, the greatest temptation I have ever faced is the temptation to worry. So that means that even though he was so skillful in his late 20s, early 30s, that even his wife said that if we drop dead, you wouldn't worry. And he says, well, of course not. He was skillful in not worrying. But later in his life, he said, the greatest temptation I've ever faced is the temptation to worry. So that shows me that just because he was skillful in it did not mean he didn't have constant opportunity to yield to, tem- to yield to the temptation and the sin of worry. He, there was pressure on him regularly to worry, but he refused to yield to it. I'll tell the story. Uh, I don't think it's a problem to tell it out loud because I've heard other ministers say it, so that's okay. But it is kind of private. But at the very end, when Dad Hagen was about to go home, just when he was here in Toronto, that was the last conference he did before he died in August of 2003. And, uh, and, and of course, he was at the Hilton there, uh, real close to the chop house. That Hilton there, he was staying there. That's where Dr. Coulter had put him. And uh, the lights had gone out, so a lot of the time he, he had, was in the hotel because the services were, were postponed. And and, uh, and, then, and then, of course, Reverend Grandy Greer had some private time with him, as did other ministers, but he specifically had some time just alone with him in his hotel room, just the two of them. And at one point, one of, the, uh, one of his traveling assistants came in with a fax from the ministry down in Tulsa. And the fax, the gist of it said, if we don't get X number of dollars, and it was a large amount, I won't say how much, but I, I know the amount, but if we don't get X number of dollars by X time, and it was later the next day, uh, we're going we're gonna to be in serious financial, like, it's an emergency kind of thing. And, and that, that is putting pressure on Dad Hagen because they needed him to raise a big offering and send the money. And, the, and the, we weren't even having services. There weren't even offerings to raise. But you know what he did? And I, th- I thought this was very interesting, Jenny. Reverend Randy told me this. He read the facts out loud. So Randy heard it. And then he crumpled the piece of paper and he threw it in the garbage. And he acted like it didn't even exist. And he just kept talking to Randy. See, that's how you handle it, my brothers and sisters. When the temptation comes to worry, uh, you, you, need to, you need to symbolically uh, crunch that piece of paper and throw it away. Because you taking the thought and taking the care and taking the worry ain't going to fix it anyway. In fact, the only way that it's going to get fixed is when you choose to put it in the hand of God and let Him untangle the situation for you and let Him come through for you. And this is, this Jenny, the reason I'm sharing this, and I probably won't get to all my notes because I've got quite a lot, but, uh, but I want to make sure I speak out of my spirit, not just out of my notes. The, re- the real reason why I'm talking about this this morning, uh, that I believe God wants me to talk about this this morning, is because I've always stood against worry. And, and it's something I do on a regular basis. But lately, since really since we came home, home during this quarantine, since we came home from camp meeting, uh, a, a deeper revelation had, without even me necessarily studying about it or, tr- or trying, so to speak, or praying about it. It just, he dropped something inside of me uh, in, 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 a, in a way I didn't really know it was coming. I think it was on Monday or Tuesday last week. He just dropped something on the inside of my spirit. I mean, it was so distinct. It was not there one minute. It was there the next. I don't understand that. I don't understand why that happens that way, Jenny. All I know is that I know people pray for me. I know people pray that 
that I'll get revelation, but I'm also praying that I'll get revelation. And I'm also trying to spend time with God and wait on him. But for whatever reason, out of his mercy, he just dropped that, just something dropped into me like a brick into my spirit. And it was a deeper revelation than I've ever had on the subject of war. I didn't think about preaching it because it's private. It wasn't until Friday the Lord said, I want you to share this on Sunday. And so I knew he meant because this thing that came, I don't remember if it was Monday or Tuesday, but something dropped into me like a brick in my spirit about the subject of worry. And, and, and it, I, it's like God opened my eyes. I, I, I don't know how to explain it to you. I don't mean I saw into the spirit. I mean, he opened the eyes of my revelation, though I understanding that I would have revelation. And it just dawned on me the simplicity of this, Jennifer. I mean, it, it, it's actually asinine. It's actually crazy. It, it, it's totally counterproductive to worry because not only is worry bad and sinful and against God and against the word, but when you worry about something that you are facing, you've actually handcuffed God's hands so he can't fix it for you. I mean, if worry was just kind of there and it could run parallel with the power of God. So I shouldn't worry. I'm, I'm going to choose not to worry because it's a sin. But, you know, God's power is still working with me. He's still running parallel to me while I worry. If that was the case, you know, it would be more of a temptation to kind of keep worrying because you knew you didn't stop the power of God and it kind of maybe feel, makes you feel better that you've worried a bit. But here's the, here's the crazy part. Worry does not run parallel with the power of God. Worry runs on its, own, on its own road. There's only one road. There's not two. It's either the worry road or it's the power of God road. You can't have them simultaneously. And when you worry, on, when you choose to get on the highway of worry, uh, the, the, the guys, you know, with the yellow vests, and they've shut down that gate. God's power can't get on the on-ramp. You are driving alone. And this is the crazy part of worrying. If you choose to worry about things, you are absolutely severed the power of God from fixing the thing you're worrying about. So not only does it stress you out, not only is it awful for your health, doctors say, not only does it cause a whole bunch of sicknesses and problems, they've proven that medically, not only does it cause problems in your health, problems in your mind, not only does it offend God because it's sin, but now you're completely alone. You cannot fix the problem. God cannot aid you because you are on the highway by yourself. And this is the crazy part. When you choose not to worry, you've parked the car of worry in the parking lot and the power of God's come out on the on-ramp and now the power of God is on the highway of your life. And when you choose to worry, not only is it better for your health, the better for your mind, you haven't sinned so you've pleased God, but now God himself can work on the problem that you're facing and he can fix it for you. And if you choose to hold on to it in your thought life and meditate on it and worry about it and try to figure out and be afraid of it, you sever God. God has to stand back and say, okay, I can't do nothing until you smarten up. And when you smarten up and say, Lord, I can't do this, I give it over to you. He says, okay, good. Now sit, now sit over there and be quiet. Let me, I'm your, I'm your father. I'm, let the Holy Ghost strut himself. I'm the great one. You're not the great one. I know how to fix this. You don't, but I do. I got a hundred ways to fix this that your little brain, pea brain can't figure out and your beady little eyes can't see. I got a thousand ways to fix this. Let me do my thing, my child. And let him come on that highway and let the power of God fix your problem. And that revelation, I don't know where it came from, Jenny. It came from God, but I don't know why it, it came because I wasn't meditating on it. I wasn't praying about it. I wasn't seeking God about it. It just was not there and it was there. And it was a deeper revelation than I've ever had and it just dropped in me. And it's like the Holy Ghost was saying to me, you know, son, all this stuff you're thinking about, uh, the more you think about it, the more I can't fix it. 
The less you think about it, the more I can fix it. So why don't you just stop thinking about it and cast that care over onto me? Because if you don't, I can't fix it for you. But if you do, it's an act of faith not to worry. It is an act of faith to trust God and not worry. And then he says, well, finally, you're doing the right thing. Now I can fix this for you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Romans 14, 17, if you'd please turn there with me in your Bibles. Romans chapter 14 and verse 17 tells us about the flow of God. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink or things of the natural, but righteousness, living right, doing right, being right, and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. When it says the kingdom of God, what it means is the flow of God or the way God operates. We could also say scripturally and theologically accurately saying the flow of the Spirit. Because the flow of God is the flow of the Spirit. The flow of the Spirit is the way God does things. The kingdom of God is the way God does things. Notice it says the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy. So worry and concern, anxiety, fear, stress, all this stuff is, robs your peace and it robs your joy and it's not right. Did you notice he said righteousness? Now he's connecting. I'm going to bring back to this point a number of times, so pay attention. He's connecting. Honey, I need you to put the air conditioning on for me if you don't mind. I'm hot here. Uh, uh, these lights on me are so hot. Praise God. I want you to know that he connects now righteousness with peace. In other words, you've got to be right about this peace and joy walk. And we know that what worry does primarily is rob us of peace and joy. When worry comes, you're no longer in peace. And when worry comes, you no longer have joy. I'm telling you something about it. and It's the truth. And he is saying here, peace and joy, which is the opposite of worry. Then he connects righteousness. You've got to be right about your peace walk. You've got to be right about your joy walk, which means you've got to be right about this worry thing. You've got to live right when it comes to worry, because the right thing is to shun it from you. And the wrong thing is to embrace it. This is the flow of God. The flow of God is not worry. The flow of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Praise God. It is so easy to worry, Jenny. If you just intentionally check on yourself throughout the day, you will realize how easy it is to slip into worry without even realizing you've slipped into it. If you are taking the thought about something, thinking about something for extended periods of time and are concerned about it, that is worry. And we worry, Jenny, almost without realizing that we worry. And some of you, uh, you worry, you're world champion warriors. There are some people, I won't necessarily say who, but there's members of my family that without worry, I don't know if they know what they do. It's like they're not just world champion warriors, they're, they're on, a, they're on a, 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 a drip. What do you call those things? An IV drip of worry. Without the worry... Uh, I don't know what they do. It's like they have to have, they, they don't, they've lost their purpose if they're not worrying about something. You know who I'm talking about. There's members of my family, on my side of the family, that unless they're worrying about something, it's like they, they get almost anxious that they're not anxious. They get jittery that they don't have something to worry about. What an awful way to live. That is not the flow of God. That is not the flow of the New Testament. That is not the flow of the Spirit. That is not the flow for me and you, my brother and sister. He wants us to live a life light and easy. Remember Jesus, come unto me or that labor and heavy laden. That includes worry, heavy laden with worry, heavy laden with, heavy laden with the concerns of this world. And learn of me, for I'm come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy 
and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And then he says, rest for your souls. So if you're going to have the light and easy restful flow, it is not the burdensome, the heavy yoke coming to me, O ye that labor and are heavy laden, burdened over with the cares of this world. No, he doesn't want that. He doesn't want that worry. He wants light and easy, joy and peace and rest. And you, and you can do it, my brother and sister. God wouldn't tell us to do it if we couldn't. He knows that there's an attack, but we have to be skillful in answering that attack and learning how to cast that care. But I want you to know that it's so easy to worry about if you're thinking about something all the time, you are worrying about it. If you're listening to me, if you're thinking about something continuously, you know, unless it's like, obviously there's, you can think about God continuously and not being worried. But if you're thinking about a situation and you are, have concern about that situation continuously, you are worrying. Check yourself, make it a game if you have to, set your alarm if you have to. Every now and then throughout the day, check uh, like something to get your memory, your attention. Set your alarm if you have to. And, and when that alarm goes off, say, oh yeah, I, I, am I worrying about it? Am I thinking about anything? Am I concerned about anything? Am I kind of obsessing about anything? Oh yeah, I am. I've been thinking about that for the last hour. Oh, I was worrying. I didn't even realize it. I'm telling you, you'd be shocked at how much you worry if you actually check yourself. And that's not the flow of the Spirit. That's why faith doesn't work for some of you because you're not in the flow of the Spirit because you're constantly thinking about things and being fretful. Now, Philippians 4, 6, would you turn there, please? Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Now, I'm going to read that to you as well. Praise God. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 from the Amplified Classic. And it says, Do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in everything, but in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, definite request with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything. The, the King James says, Be careful for nothing. Now, did you notice it says, For nothing? It didn't say that there's anything that, can, that, that is allowed in that category. You're not allowed to be careful for anything. Be careful for its command form. Be careful for nothing. Then he tells us uh, in everything by prayer and petition, supplication, that means pouring your heart out with thanksgiving. That's faith. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God. There's the peace we talked about. See, peace is the opposite of care. The peace will come that passes all understanding and guards your heart and mind. The way you get around that is you talk to God about it. You release your faith and thanksgiving about it, and then peace shows up. But the command form is be anxious for nothing. Now, would you give me, let me take a moment here and express to you uh, the definition here of the word careful in the King James. It's careful. And that word in the Greek is merimnao, merimnao. That's the, that's the Greek word for careful, and it means to be anxious about, to have care of or for, and to take thought. Okay, now look at the root word, which is uh, merimna. The O is taken off, and merimna is the root word, and this is interesting, Jenny. It means through the idea of distraction. So worrying, taking the thought, taking the care, distracts you. That, that, that's a definition for us. If you're distracted throughout your day, because you keep thinking about something, you're probably in worry. So through the idea of distraction, and then there's a word used here in the root word, the Greek root word, which is merimna, and, it, and the English word translated, the root word, is solicitude. 
Now, solicitude is not a word we use very frequently. It's kind of one of the, those English words that we kind of have done away with. But there is a word in the English language called solicitude. And I'm going to read you three dictionary definitions of solicitude. And it actually comes from the Latin word solicitudo. And the word solicitudo in Latin which is what the, the language of the Roman army was at the time of Jesus, and of course is still around today. Solicitudo is the word anxiety. So be careful or anxious or solicitudo for nothing. That's why we have the English word solicitude. And the word solicitude, let me, let me give you the, the, wick, the wiktionary definition of solicitude. It's the state of being solici solicitous. It means, uh, this is an amazing definition, Jenny, uneasiness of mind, occasioned by fear of evil or a desire for good. Oh, wow. So you can be solicitous or be guilty of solicitude, which is anxiety, because you have an uneasiness of mind. Let me, I'm helping you, my brothers. I don't hear any amens. Well, I do hear from my bedroom here, but I can't hear you. But I'm helping you if you'll listen. If you have an uneasiness of mind yeah. about anything, you've sinned. Oh my God, how many times have we sinned? If you are uneasy of thought about anything, I don't care if you got cancer. God didn't say there's, there's exceptions. He said, be anxious, be solicitous for nothing. If you have an uneasiness of mind about mental torment, about a lump in your body, about finances, about how your kids are going to turn out, about if your kids are safe, if there's an uneasiness of mind about your job, about anything, your marriage, you are in a state of solicitude. You are in a state of anxiety. You have taken care and God forbids it. And this is probably the one sin that more Christians commit than anything else. Most Christians are not sinning all the time sexually. Most Christians are not lying all the time, thieving all the time, you know, not tithing all the time. But this is one area I think every one of us are guilty as sin because we commit this sin far more frequently than we're willing to admit. And it is a sin called worry. When Jesus appeared to Brother Ike in, 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 in Russia, St. Petersburg, and Pastor Nancy had just been teaching about worry that morning, and he appeared to him about 10, 10 feet in the air. I know exactly where it was because it's when you come down the stairs. He was up against the wall about 10 feet high, and he was crying, and he said, I'm quoting, I'm paraphrasing, but the gist of it was, and this is why, this is why, what? Worry, what you just preached on. They had just left the service, and this is why, this is the cause, this is the reason why I can't get things Things to my children that I so want to get things to my children. This is why. And he was crying because he wants to help us. He wants to get on the highway, but it's blocked. We blocked it because we chose the car of worry and he can't get on and help us. I'm telling you, an uneasiness of mind. This will help. This helps me, Jenny, because now every time I have an uneasiness of mind, I, I catch myself. Stop that. That's worry. But... But, but, there's always a but. No buts. If there's an easiness of mind, I'm in sin. God has given me the light and easy flow. He's given me joy and peace because I trust that his power is working on this situation. And by me worrying, I stop his power. But by me trusting, I release his power. An uneasiness of mind occasioned by two categories. Now, most people understand the first, but they don't realize that there's a second. There's an uneasiness of mind occasioned by fear of evil. Right. Oh, the devil this, the money this, the da, 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 da. 
but also an uneasiness of mind for a desire for good. Oh, I so badly want my kids to pass their test. Oh, I so want my marriage to work. Oh, I so want my children, they're out on their bikes today and I want them to be safe. Oh, and there's an uneasiness of mind for a desire for good things to happen. And that is still worry. You can want good things to happen, but you walk in faith for those things to happen, not worry. I was sitting here the other day and my little nine-year-old, now we're in a very safe neighborhood, but still, uh, my little nine-year-old was out. They hate wearing helmets. I keep telling them to wear helmets and then they, they wear them and then they take them off because they're uncomfortable and they're just running around the neighborhood on their bike. Now, there's other kids around here, but there's still strangers around. There's still things that can happen. You still have to be wise parents. And so he had taken off for about 45 minutes and we didn't really know where he was. And, and, I, and I started having an uneasiness of mind for both a fear of evil and a desire for good. I was afraid that he might have got hurt or somebody might have tried to do something. Uh, that's, a, that's a fear of evil. And also uh, an easiness because I so badly wanted him to be safe, which is for good. And, and I started thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get in my car. This is before the quarantine. I, I'm going to have to get in my car. I'm going to have to go. I'm going to have to find him. And I heard the Holy Ghost. I heard, I heard him. I heard the Holy Ghost say, you're worrying. And I argued back because God knows my heart. I'm not being rebellious. I said, but how could this be worry? I don't know where he is. I mean, this is not good. He's blown past the time he's supposed to be home. And the Lord said, I, he was so kind to me, Jenny. He said, I understand what you're feeling, but you can handle that in faith or you can handle that in worry. And what you're doing right now is worry. I could feel it in my stomach. And so I, I said, Lord, I repent. I said, I applied the blood of Jesus. Angels, you go in Jesus' name and you bring him home and you protect him. And then I looked to my spirit. Once I said that, I looked to my spirit. Now, Lord, so I'm not worrying anymore. I've, 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 that's the faith act. That's the command with the blood and the angels. And then I and looked to my spirit. And in my spirit, I was saying, now, Lord, now that I've done that, do I need to go look for him? Or do I not? Show me by the inner witness. Or speak to me. Because you see, now if he says go look for him, I can still go look for him but not worry. And if he says leave him alone, he's fine, then I leave him alone and I'm not going to worry. But a desire for the protectiveness of my child can actually be fear. Yes. Disguised as parental wisdom. Yes. Oh, that's a big one. I'm telling you, some parents, you better listen to me. Because yes. you're actually going to open the door to the devil with your children by this, by this uh, counterfeit and mimicking of a parental protection when you're actually in fear. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, you're in fear right now. Even though in the natural mind, there could, something could have gone wrong. But he still doesn't want me to be afraid. No. And so I, I commissioned the angels and applied the blood. And I checked my spirit to see, do I go or do I stay? There was complete peace. So when I have that peace, I know I don't need to go look for him. And when there's an uneasiness, I still don't worry about the spiritual uneasiness. Because it's spiritual, it's not a mental uneasiness. Mental uneasiness is fear, it's worry. Spiritual uneasiness is the instruction of God for you to do something. But still not to be afraid. So if there was an uneasiness, I would have gone to look for him. But stayed in faith and peace that God was still protecting him.
But if there's a peace, then I don't even have to go look for him because I know by my inner witness that he's fine. And there was a peace when I said that. So I just, I just said, Lord, I, he's in your hands. You know, I trust him. When he comes back, I'm going to have parental wisdom and I'm going to tell him time limits. When you go, you come back by a certain time or you lose that privilege because we hadn't set a time limit for him. And we did when he got home and he's obeyed the time limit and he's been perfectly fine. But I could sense that this ease, uneasiness of mind. And that's worry. And some of you parents, you are so used to having a, an uneasiness of mind about your children that you won't let them swim, you won't let them go to the store, you won't let them do anything, but you're almost like a prison for them because you're so worried about this world. Now, I know the world is evil, and I know that, but look to your spirit. Use wisdom and give them strong boundaries and natural guidelines because we have a natural realm we have to deal with. So use wisdom there, but then trust the Holy Ghost, release them, and trust the Holy Ghost. Apply the blood and release the angels, praise God. And keep checking with your spirit because sometimes your spirit will say don't let them go which means now you know the spirit is saying don't let them go there's an uneasiness in your spirit but that's not worry that's the leading of the spirit it's not an uneasiness in your mind in your emotions and then you follow that but a lot of the times the holy ghost will say let them go don't get into the uneasiness of mind when your spirit is clear that's worry but if there's an easiness in spirit still don't get an uneasiness in mind because that's still worry. So you understand what I'm saying? Up here in your soul, uneasiness of mind is forbidden in all cases. If there's a peace in your spirit, you're forbidden to have uneasiness of mind. If there's uneasiness in your spirit, you're forbidden to have uneasiness in your mind. You're always forbidden to have uneasiness in your mind. You've got to fight fear and fight worry and fight anxiety and fight care. But follow your spirit. If your spirit is troubled, then that means now do some actions, but you still are forbidden to worry. Just go and do whatever the Lord says to fix that situation. But you still are forbidden to worry. And if there is a peace in your spirit, of course, all the more, you are forbidden to worry and have the uneasiness of mind. So this will help you. Thank goodness for this wiktionary definition. This will help you understand if you're in worry or not. If you have an uneasiness of mind, occasioned by fear of evil or a desire for good. You have sinned. Your mind is never permitted to be uneasy. Follow your spirit. If your spirit is peaceful, it's easy for your mind to be peaceful. If your spirit is not peaceful, it's still easy for your mind to be peaceful. If your spirit is, 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 is upset about something, grieved or nervous, not nervous, that's the wrong word. If your spirit is troubled about something, it means God is warning you there's a problem, but you are still forbidden to worry. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I say this? And I wasn't going to, but I feel prompted, so I'm going to say this. Uh, Dad Hagen tells a story of a lady. There was, he was staying, remember back in those days, he didn't have hotels. Like I said, he was staying in the house of this couple. He was preaching, and he's a prophet, and, and their daughter was coming home, and, 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 and she didn't show up, and they were afraid, and they thought maybe somebody had kidnapped her and killed her or something. Their mind was running wild, running rampant with potential possibilities. And Dad Hagen looked, and they were, the lady was crying and crying, and Dad Hagen looked to his spirit. And the Lord, now, the Lord doesn't always do this, uh, but the Lord, he looked to his spirit, and he, he had a flash, and he saw her getting on the wrong bus, going to a different city. And she didn't know it, so she didn't figure it out until she got to the destination. And, then, and he said to her, dear, it's okay. 
uh, she's fine. God's just shown me he's got, she's got on a bus and is going to that other city. But she, she, when she gets off the bus, she'll call you and everything will be fine. The lady didn't really believe it, still whining and crying and war, wallowing in worry and torment and fear. Well, sure enough, some hours later, the phone call came. Mom, I got on the wrong bus. I'm in this city, same city Dad Hagen saw. I'm getting on the right bus. Everything is fine. But in between that phone call and when Dad Hagen said it, in those hours, the lady was still very anxious and very afraid. And oh, well, how, how do you know? How do you know? And Dad Hagen said an important thing. He said, I've never had a situation in me or anybody I'm around where there is, there is devastation that occurs without God warning me. Right. Now think about that. Not with his life, Jenny, or anybody in his life, anybody that he's around, any people even that are not related to him, just people that he's in proximity to. If devastation was going to come, God would always warn him. Yeah. And Dad Hagen also said, not all of that is the prophet's office. That is just your spirit being aware. Do you hear that? So you can't just say, well, that was the prophet. So it doesn't apply to me. I'm not a prophet. He said that this applies to every believer, whether you're a prophet or not, whether you're a regular Christian or whether you stand in that office, you can get to the place where God will warn you of devastation before it happens. And not just in your immediate family, but even if you're around neighbors, even if you're around coworkers, because of your, because of your dominion, God will warn you of devastation going to happen in their life. Now, you have to develop that. I'm not saying that happens happens at the drop of a hat, but we have a right by the Holy Ghost, by the inward witness to know things before they happen. We have gifts of the Spirit given to every man to profit with all. That's what I'm teaching on Monday the 28th. The Bible says these gifts are given to help you profit. If you want to profit and have advantage, you've got to understand how the gifts work, which is why I'm putting on this course. And if you learn how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, there will be a knowing by the word of wisdom. There'll be a knowing by the gift of prophecy. There'll be a knowing about what's going to happen before it happens. Praise God. And that devastation will never take you by surprise. And every believer has a right for this. So you don't, so even if there's a trouble in your spirit, look to God what to do, but don't ever yield to uneasiness of mind. You are forbidden to worry. And some of you parents, I'm speaking directly to you by the Holy Ghost because you have opened, you're opening a door to the, in the lives of your children by your overprotectiveness. And you call it parental wisdom and it's disguised as fear. So change that in Jesus' name. Now, the Wiktionary, that was the Wiktionary, okay? Uh, a state of being solicitous, uh, uneasiness of mind occasioned by fear of evil or a desire for good. The Merriam-Webster says solicitude is the state of being concerned and anxious. Watch now. Attentive care and protectiveness. And then the Dictionary.com uh, definition of solicitude says an attitude expressing excessive attentiveness. Now, if you put Dictionary.com and Merriam-Webster's together, you come up with this statement. The combined definition is this, excessive attentiveness and protectiveness. There's nothing wrong with protecting your children. But if you are having excessive attentiveness and excessive protectiveness, you are in worry and you are in anxiety and concern. No matter what you call it, it is still what it is. You can call the cat by many names, but it's still a cat. I'm telling you something about it. Excessive protectiveness. This is the dictionary definition of solicitude. And solicitude is from the, Hebrew, the Latin word solicitudo, which means anxiety. And that's the root word of be careful, anxious, uh, concerned, taking the thought about nothing. You are not permitted. It's a sin. My God. My God, I'm helping them, Jenny, whether they like it or not, I'm helping them. First Peter chapter five, I'm almost done. First Peter chapter five and verse seven. 
1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. And all of you, whether you're a young person today, whether you're an old person today, whether you're married, not married, employed, not employed, whether your life's going good or not, this applies to every single one of you. Because every one of us commit the sin without even half realizing we're doing it. Because so many times we have an uneasiness of mind, even with a desire for good, uneasiness of mind is sin. You have to have a light and easy flow, not an uneasy flow in your mind. Casting all your care, 1 Peter 5, 7, upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he... That's where we get the word casting your care is from 1 Peter 5, 7. The light and easy flow comes from, first, comes from Matthew chapter 11 and verse 30. So these are all scriptural terms that, that we say these little phrases. They come from scripture. We're casting your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now that word care, can you imagine what the Greek word is? The exact same word. Merimna, it's the exact same word I just read to you. It is the, through the idea of distraction or solicitude. It's anxiety, fear, care, taking the thought. So that word, that's what Peter is talking about, the same thing that Paul in Philippians was talking about. And I want you to notice casting. Now this is, this is important because even the intonation is important here in the original language. The word casting, there are three Greek words for casting. And two of those Greek words mean, one of them means a deliberate premeditated hurl where you are concentrating and you throw. The second Greek word for cast means to have preparation for an extended projection. That means you are, you, are, you are gearing up for an extremely Hail Mary pass, for a long throw, or you're setting up a missile, or you're setting up something like a, you know, something that's going to shoot a far, an extended projection, but it takes preparation. So the extended preparation, the, the preparation for extended projection is one where you're preparing for as far as you can. Then the second is not the distance isn't the key. It's the premeditation of concentration for the throw. And then the third area, and this neither of casting your cares is those two. Casting your cares here is the third Greek word, and it means this, a fling or a quick toss. There's no premeditation. There's no preparation. There's no concentration. Listen, you don't have to concentrate to cast your care. You don't have to stop and go, oh, let me get in my prayer closet to cast my care. It's a, a toss, a quick toss or a fling. In other words, you do it without thinking. It is not the premeditated, concentrated hurl and is not the prepared for extended projection. Both those take mental power and time. This is a without thought, a second nature, Jenny. It's a toss and a fling. In other words, when the care comes, toss it. Don't even think about it. It's second nature. Toss it. It's gone. I, I, I fling it over. Lord, I'm going to cast, toss, quick fling, quick toss over onto you all my Merimna, all my solicitude, all my anxiety, fear, concern, taking the thought, all of it. I'm ca I'm, and, and, and I do it so quickly. I do it so second nature. I don't even think about it. When it comes, boop, it's gone. And that's how we have to live. Not when it's come nesting in your hair, uh, getting down, fer fermenting, festering, or this fear and worry. And then we have this big session of, Lord, I'm going to cast the care in a prayer session. That's not the Greek word. It is, you are so skillful that the minute the thought comes, it's gone. Amen. The minute it comes, it's gone. Uneasiness of mind, I, I fling it over unto the Lord. I trust Him. If I take the thought, 
If I remember part of the Greek definition is to take the thought. If I take the thought, if I meditate on this uneasiness of mind, whether for good or evil or both, if I take the thought, let me tell you, the power of God is severed from helping me. So I quickly toss this over unto the Lord and say, Father, I won't worry. I won't be afraid. I won't think about it. I give it to you. It's a quick fling. I give it to you. You deal with it. Now I've parked the worry car in the extended airport parking. Yeah. And now the power of God has come onto the runway and is steaming ahead, fixing my problem for me. I, I'm preaching better than they are saying amen, Jennifer. I could preach this at Pastor Nancy's and I'd have everybody saying amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, did you notice verse 8? Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober and vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accompanied by your brethren that are in the world. Not every affliction is the same, but worry is the same for all of us. Did you notice the, 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 the verse 5 and 6 is all about humility, but did you notice the thought, the theme starts in verse 7 about worry, and it continues unbroken in verse 8. You have to be sober and vigilant about casting your care. You have to be skillful about casting your care. Why? Because the devil is looking for an opportunity to devour you. He can't. He's looking for whom he may devour. He's not guaranteed that he will devour, but, but solicitude and taking the care and not casting it and not being skillful and vigilant in casting it, you open a door and the enemy, the roaring lion, is looking to take you out and he will come. He will come. So you have to be skillful and vigilant and sober-minded about casting that care second-handedly, second nature, a fling, a quick toss. The minute you think it, it's gone. And the Bible says now in verse 9, resist steadfast. So when you are casting that thought, you are actually, you're saying, Father, I give it to you, and devil, I resist you, I will not be afraid. He's looking for an open door. The way you resist him and keep the door shut is by casting the care, casting the care, casting the care. And sometimes you have to cast it 50 times a day, but you cast it. Refuse to have an uneasiness of mind about anything. The devil came. I felt him come yesterday. That thought, the offerings hasn't been that good lately. You're, you're going to have an awful offering tomorrow. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And I felt that thought come. I felt that fear tried to grip me, but I'm getting more skillful. And I said, no, 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 no. I resist you, devil. I, I can't, Father, <laughs> I've already claimed the 40,000. Angels are already working on it. I've already laid hold of my hand of faith. It's mine. I take it now in Jesus' name. I've already claimed it by faith. Angels are working. Devil, I've bound your, I've bound your power. And this thought of fear, I resist and reject you. I quickly tossed it over onto the Lord. And I remember saying, I remember I turned, I don't know why, to the right. And I said, Father, I did this with my hand on an action, as an action on purpose. Yes. As a contact point for my faith. I said, Father, it's yours. I cast it. That's a quick fling. I cast it over onto you. I refuse to think about it. And I just then keep saying, Lord, I praise you. Lord, I praise you. What's the first C? Claim it. What's the second C? Command the devil take his hands. What's the third C? Charge the angels. What's the fourth C? Celebrate and praise. What's the next C? Call it as though it is. Call those things that be not as though they already are. Father, I thank you that I have that money. And what's the next one? Don't consider your own body. Don't consider how impossible it is. And what's the seventh one? Cast your care. Cast your care. And you've got to, even if it's multiple times a day, just quick fling. Cast your care. That thought comes? Nope. Father, it's yours. It's yours. It's yours. 
It's yours. Do that. Do that. It helps you a little bit to have, to have an action associated with it. Just get, figure out your own little action if you want. You don't have to imitate me. But just, Father, it's yours. I just give it to you. It's yours. Oh, your power is working behind the scenes. It's yours. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Now, have a look quickly at Psalm chapter 55. Psalm chapter 55. Almost done. It's 1156. Psalm chapter 55. There is an equivalent verse of 1 Peter 5, 7 in the, in the Old Testament, which is Psalm chapter 55. Did you know that that's its sister verse, if you want to call it that? And it says, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved or to waver. Cast your burden unto the Lord, and he'll sustain you. In other words, sustain you means he'll fix it. He will fix the problem if you cast it, and if you don't cast it, you won't, it, you won't be sustained. You won't, you won't come through to victory. He can't fix it for you. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you, or he will fix you. He will fix the problem that you're facing. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now notice it says he will not suffer the righteous to be moved. I want you to notice the word righteous because when we saw kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy, not worry is the opposite of peace and joy. But notice it says righteousness, peace and joy. So he wants us to be right about the peace and joy walk, which is the worry walk, the anti-worry walk. Now he says here, cast your burden which is not worrying, so that I can fix you, I can sustain, I can fix the problem. Notice he says, I won't allow, if you're right about this, I won't allow the righteous to be moved. What's he saying? If you're right about this, I won't allow you to be, to be moved or to waver. But you've got to be right about this casting the care. You've got to be right about the kingdom of God is peace and joy. Now, last verse, because I know I've given you quite a few, is in Matthew, and we couldn't talk about worry without talking about Matthew 6. And then, and then let's start in verse 25, Matthew 6 and verse 25. And there's five times that he says, take no thought. Or he says, take, the word take thought or take no thought is mentioned five times in these verses here. And the word righteousness is connected with it again, Jenny. What he's trying to get over to us is very simple. Be right about casting your care. Because if you're right about it, I won't allow you to waver. I won't allow you to be moved. I won't allow you to be overcome. That's Psalm 55, 22. Now, he says here, I want you to be right about this because if you're right about casting the care and not worrying and not taking the thought, then I can fix it for you. I can add things to your life. I want you to be right about it, Romans 14, 17. Joy and peace, you gotta be right about. The kingdom of God is about living rightly and the right thing to do is trust, not worry. Now, let's start in verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought, number one, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on is life not more, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. For behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, they not, are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, there's a second phrase, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye the thought, there's a third phrase, for raiment, consider the lilies of the field for how they grow, they toil and not, they toil not, neither do they spin, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in his always glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the field of the, gra the grass of the field, to which today is and tomorrow is cast into the fire, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now watch verse 31. This is the fourth time. Take, therefore, take no thought. Saying, see, if you take the thought and meditate on it, you will eventually speak it. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or where shall we be clothed? For after all these things, what things? Worry. Do the Gentiles seek? 
For your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. He knows that you have need of these things. What do the sinners do, Jenny? They worry. What do the sinners do? They take the thought and they say, Oh, COVID. That's the sinner's way. That's the people whose father is Satan. They are used to worrying. That is their second nature. That is their DNA to worry. The Gentiles, the the ones far from covenant, worry. But he's saying, your heavenly father knows what you have need of, so don't take the thought and say, don't worry. Now, remember what that word means. Merimno, which is what we saw, be careful for nothing. That word means solicitude, but it also means to be concerned, anxious, or to take the thought. Now, I looked up this word, take the thought here, and it is the same word in the Greek here in Matthew 6 as 1 Peter 5, 7, and as Philippians 4, verse 6. It is merimno, which means to take the thought. We've got the same Greek word in all three passages that I'm reading. So, to, so what's number four? Therefore, take no thought saying, what should we eat? What should we drink? How will we clothe? For it's the Gentile sinners say this kind of stuff. But your heavenly Father knows what you have need of. Now, verse 633, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Take therefore no thought, number five, for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, listen, you know what people are notorious of, Jenny, and I'll close with this. You know what people are notorious of? They are notorious of quoting Matthew 633 out of context. Everybody quotes Matthew 6.33. Sinners quote Matthew 6.33. It's almost like John 3.16. Seek first God and all these things will be added unto you. I want all this stuff. It's usually out of a greed motivation. I want all these things. I want all this stuff. So I just seek first God. But if you take it in context, Matthew 6.33 is, is bookended by, it is, it is connected to, it is front and back of it are verses about worry. If you look at all verse 25 to 32, it's all about to not taking the thought and not warring. And if you look at verse 34, he says, take therefore, meaning what was just said is connected to verse 34. Take therefore no thought, again, about worry, about anxiety, about concern, about care. The whole theme is fear and worry. And right in the middle of it, you've got a verse Because everything he's saying is, I know you need all these things, don't worry. I know you need all these things, don't worry. I know you need all these things, don't worry. And now he says in verse 33, seek first the kingdom of God and be right about it. Righteousness is living right and acting right. What is he saying? I know you need all these things, don't worry. I know you need all these things, don't worry. I know you need all these things, don't worry. Verse 25 to 32. And then he says, now, if you're going to get all these things, you have to think right about not worrying. I've just told you for six verses, seven verses, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't take the thought, don't be anxious, don't be fearful. It's all the same word in the Greek. You could translate it care, anxiety, worry, or taking the thought. It's all the same word. So he's saying, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, because I know you want all this stuff, but don't worry about it. But if you're going to get right about not worrying, if you're going to seek after rightness in this area, I'll cause all this stuff to be added to you. And then as one last cherry on top, verse 34, he says, and by the way, don't worry. (laughs) Don't worry even about tomorrow. He's talking about present tense. Now he's talking about future tense. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next week. Don't worry about next year. Uh, Don't worry. It'll all come to pass. Everything is about not worrying. Everything is about being skillful with not worrying. And what do we see again, Jenny? The word righteousness is connected with with this subject. He wants us to be right. 
Be right about your joy and peace, Romans 14, 17. Be right, Psalm 55, 22. Be right about casting the care so that I can cause you to, to prosper, so I can fix it for you. Then he says, now be right about not taking the thought, not worrying. And if you're right about it, if you're skillful in not worrying, I will add all these things unto you. If you want the things added, stop worrying. Because as long as you worry, you've blocked his power. He can't sustain you. He can't fix it because you haven't cast your cares. You've opened the door to the devouring lion. You haven't resisted him steadfast in the faith. You've got to decide, I'm going to quickly fling and toss any thought of uneasiness of mind and worry. I'm going to cast it over onto the Lord. It is the Lord's problem, not mine. I'm going to park my car in the extended parking lot and let the power of God run down the road for me. I'm going to cast my burden so that God can sustain and fix it. And I'm going to be righteous because I'm right thinking about this, Jenny. I won't be moved. I will prosper. I'm going to be right thinking about joy and peace. Praise God. I'm going to not take the thought and I'm going to be right about not taking the thought. I'm going to be skillful about not worrying and God's going to add all these things unto me. If you quote Matthew 6, again, make sure you quote it in context because the context is about worry. You can't just say, seek first the kingdom of God and, and, and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto me because the whole context is worry. You've got to say, Lord, I'm going to seek first you. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to be right about not worrying. I'm not taking the thought. I'm not saying the fearful thought. I'm not thinking the fearful thought. I'm casting my care unto you. And because I'm right about it, now I claim you'll add all these things unto me. And I promise you, he will. He will. Glory to God. We've got to learn to be right about this this is such an important thing to be right about it. Praise God. Hallelujah. I'm not reading it for sake of time, but if you want to write it down for your own study later, John 14, verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus doesn't want your heart troubled or uneasy. And also Hebrews 4, 1 to 3, verse 6, and verse 9 to 12. I won't read it for sake of time, but all of that talks about entering into his rest, that if you are in doubt and unbelief, you can't. But if you are in faith, if you trust him, you'll enter into his rest, and his rest is the light and easy flow, according to Matthew 11. According to, look at Hebrews 4 and Matthew 11 and their parallels. His rest is light and easy, Matthew 11. If you enter into the rest of faith, you'll no longer you'll no longer struggle. God wants us to not struggle. Hallelujah. Can I tell you something that every conference that Dad Hagen did, every conference with large groups, he always, he might have talked about other things, Jenny, but he always covered four subjects. He always covered healing. He always covered faith and authority because they go together. He always covered the love walk and he always covered worry, casting your cares. Why? Because he said the greatest temptation I've ever faced is the temptation to worry. So he knew that if he was facing that all the time, he had to constantly teach people about worry. Every conference, faith, healing, love walk, and worry. He talked about it constantly because it's something we have to constantly feed on because we're bombarded by life and by the media and by friends and by unsaved, unrenewed mind, loved ones, coworkers, neighbors, constantly, you've got to renew your mind on this. Let me quote you what Jesus said to Pastor Nancy in Russia. Meditate often on the lightness and ease of my yoke and that you think right toward these things. These things meaning disciplining your flesh, 
walking in the Spirit, being in the Word, being in prayer. But, but I love that phrase, meditate often on the lightness and the ease of my yoke. Meditate often, Jenny. What we're usually meditating on is how bad things are, which is a disease of mind. And that's worry. What we need to meditate on, intentionally concentrate and meditate on how light and easy His yoke is. Lord, thank you. And you say, but I don't have much to thank God for. My life's awful. Well, just meditate on whatever you can that's good. And then more will become good. And then to keep trusting God and release your faith and God will turn it around and it will bring better and better and better and better. But meditate on the ease of His yoke, not on the hardness of this life. I know this life is hard. In, in many ways, it's hard. Jesus said, sufficient is the evil of the day. Yeah. But meditate on the lightness and the ease of His yoke. Meditate on the good things He's done for you. Be grateful and stay in trust. Don't take the thought worrying. And you'll see things will change. I'm turning my phone off now because I, I'm done my notes, but I want to tell you one, save the best for last, one quick story because it has stayed with me all these years. Pastor Nancy as a little girl loved jewelry. Their family wasn't very wealthy because they were farmers, but they gave the best that they could, but she didn't grow up with a whole bunch of extra luxuries and they, she couldn't go and buy whatever she wanted, jewelry or different things. She loved her nails because her nails were always playing the piano, so she had to have them short. And so she loved taking care of her nails because they were shorter than, they'd like, than she would have liked them to be. And she loved jewelry, but she didn't really have any and they couldn't really afford that much. But one time the, 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 the fair came to Altus, uh, Oklahoma, and it's a small town. So fairs are a big deal when there's not a whole lot. They don't have TV. There's certainly no cell phones. They don't have a lot of entertainment except the cows out there and, uh, and tipping them, praise God, and watching the tornadoes come through town. So there's not a whole lot of entertainment. So when the fair comes, it's a big deal. And she said, Ma, and her mama gave her a quarter. And she was at the fair as a little girl, nine or 10, whatever it was. And she, she saw this, this spool of, of silver necklace, just cheap, just cheap. But to her, it was the world. And she gave the man the quarter and he spooled her out a necklace and she wore her necklace and she loved that necklace. She said, I wore that necklace in the shower. I wore it to bed. I wore it in the fields. I wore it every minute of the day. She wore that 25 cent necklace. She loved it. Well, over time, it gets grimy. Her, she had long hair. The hair gets caught in it. She's washing. She's touching it. And it started to get knotted because it's fine silver, very cheap, fine silver. And it got knotted very easily. And so she was struggling trying to get the knots out. Do you remember, Jenny? And she was struggling. And, and her mama said, give it to me. I'll get the knots out. And she says, oh, but mama. And, and she's making a bigger ball of mess because she's trying to do it herself. And mama has more skill. So she finally handed over her precious knotted necklace, bunged up necklace to mama, who took a sewing needle and started slowly opening up those. And she got excited and grabbed it back. And she started making a mess of it. And her mama, who was apparently one of the best mamas that's ever lived from the stories I've heard about Mrs. Chapman, that's her maiden name, Chapman. Mrs. Chapman, I think, was probably the best mama that ever lived, you know, in terms of her skill of being a mother. I've learned stuff about how to raise my kids, not just from my mom and Jenny's mom, but even from Pastor Nancy's mom. She just had such wisdom. She's gone home to be with Jesus. Last year, she went home to be with the Lord. But, but you know, I never got to meet her, but she's a, just a wonderful lady. And she said, honey, if you take it back, you make a bigger mess out of it. Trust me. Give me your necklace. I'll fix it for you. And it took effort for her to release that necklace because she so badly wanted it to get fixed. But her mama slowly with that sewing needle took out those and it took time, but she got it all. That's what we do, Jenny. 
God says, give me your, give me this thing you're concerned about of money, about paying your mortgage, about your business, about your kids, about your marriage, about your health, about your, blah, 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 blah. give it to me. And we see God start to, starting to fix it. And we go, ah, yes. And we grab it back and we take back the care, back the thought, and we make a bigger mess of it. When what we have to do is a quick fling and a quick toss, Lord, it's yours. And I leave it with you. You fix it. You sustain me. Cast your curtains and he'll sustain. You fix it for me. You are not my life. You are not my finances. You are not my health. You are not my marriage. You are not my kids. You are not my finances. You are not my business. You are not it for me. I trust you have greater skill than me in how to fix this. I'm going to let your road go down the highway, not my car of worry, but your great speedy car of, of power to fix my need. Let him fix it. Give him the necklace and let him fix it. The way you know that you are warring is when you've taken it back and you're trying to figure it out. You're in an uneasiness of mind. Give it to him. Then you're not worrying about it. You're not thinking about it. You're not uneasy anymore. And as long as you don't touch it, he can fix it. As soon as you touch it in your thought life, you stop his power. If, I, if you remember one thing from today's entire sermon, remember this phrase. If you think about it and are warring about it, if you touch it in your thought life, you've severed his power. He can't help you. As long as you've let it go, like I did, Lord, it's yours. I give it to you. As long as you've let it go, his power is working. If you touch it in your mind, power is severed. If you let it go and you give it to him, you cast the care, his power is working. If you touch it, power is not working. If you let it go, power is working. If you touch it, power is not working. If you let it go, power is working. One more time. If you touch it, it's not working. If you're worrying, he can't help. But if you let it go and you trust him and cast it onto him, his power is working as long as you're not thinking about it. Now that's a good quote for a mug. His power is working as long as you're not thinking about it. As long as you're not taking the thought over it, his power is working. So let him work. I'm letting him work on our issues with our personal finances. I'm letting him work on our sons as we raise them. And the concerns I have, as every parent does, uh, but I'm casting it over. I'm letting him work on the church budget. I'm letting him work on the, on, the, on the property fund budget. I'm letting him work on the Oasis budget. I'm letting him work on the numbers to grow in the church. I'm letting him work on the international works. I'm not worrying about nothing because if I touch it, he can't fix it. If I let it go, his power is working. Praise God. I'm letting it go. Father, right now, every person within the sound of my voice in the sanctuary, in their living rooms, my family here in my living room, Father, we make a commitment to you that we are going to be more skillful. We are going to be right about this. We're not going to be wrong. We're going to be right. We're going to live righteously about this area of fear and worry. We are going to cast our care for you will not suffer us to be moved if we are right about this. You will fix it and sustain us if we cast it over onto you. We will vigilantly and, 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 and soberly be aware of the enemy strategy of fear and worry. He's trying to come in. We resist him by casting our care. We will not take the thought and say, we will cast it over onto you skillfully and you will be right about that. We'll be right about that and you'll add all these things unto us. We refuse to worry, Philippians 4, 6. We will be anxious and solicitous for nothing in Jesus' name. We will not have an easiness of mind occasioned by fear of evil or a desire for good. We will not be uneasy in our mind. If our spirit is uneasy, then we'll act, but we'll still have a peaceful mind. If our spirit is at peace, we'll act, but we'll still have a peaceful mind. We will not have an uneasy mind. We will not be commit the sin of solicitude. 
In Jesus' mighty name, we will not be concerned, anxious, fearful, or take the thought. We give you praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we repent, Father, of the sin of worry. We turn in our hearts and in our actions. We turn 180 degrees and we go the opposite way. And from today forward, me and this congregation commit to you, Father, that we will trust you, that we will cast the care upon our concerns to you. We will give it to you so that your power can work. We will give you our necklace so that your power can work. And we will not touch it. In Jesus' name. We give you praise. Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. You always do the natural actions you need to. People that are lazy, Jenny, will use this as an excuse to say, I just cast it over to the Lord and then be lazy. I won't go get a job. I won't do my budget. I'll, I'll spend without knowing my budget. I'll do this. I'll do that. Because they use it as an excuse of laziness. That's not what we're saying. You do what you need to do in the natural. But it's very important that you cast the care under the Lord so His power can help you. Casting the care is not an excuse for being lazy. Casting the care keeps you out of worry and, and, and doubt. But then you do the right actions now of whatever the Spirit leads you in the natural to do. Remember, the eighth C is... is, uh, is um, uh, no, 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 no. James, James about uh, actions. Uh, I've got, I got the word mixed up in my mind here. You cast the care, you call things that be not, you consider not your own body, and then you do... Uh, anyway, anyway, praise God. I hate it when I forget words like that. You, you, uh, it's not the word consequence, but it's like that word. Uh, you do actions, subsequent actions that are required by God. And, and when you do those, those, those consequencing actions, that's not the word, but you know if you look at your old notes, you've got to do actions in the natural to work with the Spirit. Just don't ever let those actions come out of the motivation of fear or worry. Make sure the actions come out of faith. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good today? I know and I believe with all my heart that this message has gone into the good soil of your heart. The incorruptible seed of the Word has gone into good soil and it has produced a harvest. And if you'll keep meditating on it and keep obeying it, you'll see that your life will turn into one of great joy and peace, a light and easy flow of rest, and God will fix every problem you face. Praise God. I sure do love you. Amen.